Just what are big data analytics and how can they help organizations? I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, and this is the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series. Each month, this podcast features faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who've established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. Today, you'll hear a conversation with Trinity University's two professors from the Department of Finance and Decision Sciences on big data analytics. Big data promises great opportunities to build predictive models, understand customers better, find hidden patterns, and ultimately enhance the bottom line. However, the field's so new and different from traditional IT that it may need a particular kind of organization. What are the needs and challenges of companies to effectively leverage big data analytics and make it valuable, sustainable, and cost-effective? In this podcast, our experts talk about what you need to get your organization's structure ready for reaping maximum benefits from big data analytics. So, you know, Dana, so when a few days ago when they were asking me about recording this podcast and they were talking about big data analytics and I, I thought, you know, there's really plenty of material out there you know, what big data is and analytics and all the fancy things that we can do with machine learning and uh, distributed file systems, all that sort of stuff. But I thought um, maybe there's something that not many people are talking about right now, which is how companies should organize for these big data analytics. So, and, you know, from a few things that I've seen, and I'm I'm sure you have too, um, I think that companies are a little bit caught off guard in terms of how they need to organize. And would you agree with that? Yeah, most definitely. I think that's true that there was a 2016 McKinsey report, as a matter of fact, that has a line in it that actually says the greatest challenges organizations are finding is structure, organizational management of the analytics function. So the questions about how can we do it? How do we get started? Those companies who have gotten started and maybe had success on a project, how do you leverage that and be able to do other analytics initiatives? And how do you continually maybe have a pipeline that is able to look at analytics issues from multiple perspectives or multiple functional areas? That is a real problem. So you think that you know companies are used to getting their IT departments right now, and you think they see analytics as part of IT? And I'm thinking, you know, this is probably like risky for them because not necessarily they need to organize the same way for IT as they need to organize for big data analytics. Absolutely. So you know, one of the things you have to keep in mind when you're talking about analytics is that you know analytics um, is relying on data. You have to have data. Mm -hmm. And really, IT historically has been the custodians of data. They're responsible for the technologies that are used to capture, store, archive, and even provide access to that data. Mm -hmm. So in most cases, the analytics function has a dependency on IT. How do you get to the data? And so that is a key question. You know, how do we organize this function? Is it going to be centralized? And if you're going to centralize Is it inside IT? Is it separate from IT? If you're going to decentralize it, what are the access paths that those analytics organizations are going to use to get to data? Yeah, because uh, skills are a little bit different, right? So from IT to analytics, you you need people with different skills and 
Um, you know, from my own research, uh, I, I have seen that when organizations, in terms of software you know, development, they um, organize uh, in a centralized way. They tend to have better quality, but productivity tends to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they seek more external information, uh, again, quality seems to be going up, but productivity seems to be going down. So uh, do you think that companies are actually thinking about all this stuff or they're trying to kind of replicate what we could call the life cycle or pipeline for analytics? I mean, they're trying to go in a linear fashion. Uh, what do you see about this? So it's interesting you bring the, that up because my background is in software development, mm. and I think my interest in this organizational aspect really comes from my experience there. That um, I started developing software when we were going through this transition, if you will, from more batch-oriented systems into online systems. Mm-hmm. And those systems actually created this capture of a lot of the data that today we're looking at and saying, okay, we've got the data, let's analyze it. Um, But really, when you look at analytics, the analytics pipeline is a bit different than software development. So I think that there are lessons learned from IT that can be leveraged for analytics, but I'm a little bit skeptical of just taking the processes that were used for IT and using them for analytics because IT has a goal in mind already. You have an output you want Mm -hmm. produced when you start developing a system. When you're talking about analytics and particularly at the data scientist level, it's really more of an exploration of Mm -hmm. data trying to underlie outsides. You don't have a predefined output that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, Normally, let's say, if, if companies were to kind of replicate in their organization the what you know, people call the analytics pipeline, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's a very linear uh, kind of view of analytics where, you know, at the beginning, you have basically your data. So you need mm-hmm. to store data. You need to, you will have probably several different kinds of data. You will have um, Relational databases, you know, SQL databases. Mm-hmm. You will have probably NoSQL databases, uh, graph databases, you will have probably lots of unstructured data in terms of videos, audio, recordings, and so on and so forth. And here's where basically your data architects or database specialists, you know, come in. So right after that, um, normally you would do some sort of, uh, you would pull the data out of the databases and then um, do some sort of visualizations. And then there's these tools that, you know, me and people talk about and they probably use uh, Tableau, Spotfire, so on and so forth. Sure, sure. And they try to do visualizations. And then after this, they would set up a department for machine learning or with mm-hmm. machi- no, machine learning specialists that they will take care of all the, say, high octane you know, analysis such as artificial neural networks, uh, support sure. vector machines, all that stuff. And that would be one way to organize, uh, but that kind of follows the, the kind of the flow chart of the mm-hmm. analytics pipeline. But do you think that's the right way to do it, or are there any other ways that are better than that? Well, you know, I I recently had the opportunity to spend some time in an organization, and they were looking at using the safe structured agile framework. Oh yeah, um, as a tool to help them look at their pipelines. Now, it was kind of interesting going in that they actually had three separate, if you would, analytics pipelines that they were working on, and they had organized their analytics function. It was 
kind of centralized, but it was separate from IT. It was interesting. It was in the finance org. So, what you mean centralized means that there's like a department for analytics? Yeah, there was a department for analytics, but they were responsible for the analysis, but not for the data. The data was mm. still, um, if you will, uh, managed by IT. And so there was a really interconnectedness and collaboration between those two groups. But for the analytics function, they really were organized as three separate teams. One team was visual analytics. One mm. team was what they call analytics, mm. um, where they were doing maybe softer modeling with maybe linear regression or some cluster analysis. Mm -hmm. And then there was a team for actual data scientists. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that organizationally that you keyed on mm. has some sense. What they were struggling with is if you think of requests for analyses or requests for data science, and mm -hmm. you think of that as a inflow of work for a department, how do you manage track that and decide what's going to be get worked on and studied? And then how do you create some metrics of that so you can measure how productive is your analytics function? What sure. is it actually serving for yeah. you? Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because this particular company knew that they had an organization, but they weren't happy with the production. They had created the data science team, mm. a predictive model for churn, uh -huh. um, but they weren't able to ever really, what I would call, operationalize that model. And by mm. operationalize, I mean the team lets it go and puts it into production so it just continually runs mm -hmm. and outputs data for the company. There was still one individual who his whole job, and they'd had this model for quite some time, his whole job was collecting all these Excel data sheets oh, to import yeah. into the model. I can relate to that. Huh? And so I think if I had to say anything, I think what we're under looking at is the data function. Mm -hmm. Because the real need to get all those sources of data that you mentioned mm -hmm. into a repository and some type of access platform, and I've mentioned to you before, self-serve data, mm -hmm. where an analyst can go to and say, okay, here's the data, it's all in one place, and now I can pick the pieces that I need mm -hmm. for this analysis. Yeah. Or for a data scientist who can just explore that lake or warehouse of data, if you will. Mm. So, because, you know, what I've seen many times, I'm sure you have too, is um, the executives themselves are not very well educated in terms of what they can actually expect from analytics. Sure, sure. And, you know, we, we, have, we have, you know, a few cases uh, that you probably remember where they believe it's kind of magic, you know. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, here, here's Pull the data. Pull back the curtain yeah, and here's exactly. the Oz Here's the data. Uh, yeah, we have plenty of data, you know, and uh, I, I want to solve all my problems, you know, yeah, because I mean, yeah. machine learning is magic and yeah. analytics is magic. So, and when they give you the data, it's like two Excel spreadsheets with 3,000 yeah. records, right? Yeah, and there's yeah. really nothing you can do with that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I kind of wonder how the education that the CEO or say the chief information officer has about this uh, can influence the kind of structure that they, they set up, you know, and uh, how you think uh, the top executives should kind of, again, educate themselves, you know, to kind of gauge their expectations, you know? Well, I, I think that there's a lot of areas of, or of education that are needed on this topic. And it's kind of interesting you bring this up because 
You know, there is one um, source that I've looked to quite a bit in my research, and it's something that was called an analytics maturity model that was developed by two researchers, Fern Harper and um, David Stottle. And I believe they're both with uh, TDWI. But what it is is really an assessment model that an organization can use to help them see how, what is their level of analytics readiness? Mm. And one whole dimension of that model is organizational. And part of that dimension of organizational talks about culture. So, you know, an executive has to understand analytics and the the whole fact that if you don't have data, you can't do analytics, that it's not magic. You have the data, it's getting the right people to look at it. But then also there's this idea of culturally shifting the mindset of an Mm -hmm. organization to looking at the outputs of analytics when making decisions. And this idea of you don't have to have 100% certainty in the output of an analytics, but if you can have a model that gives you a 70% or a 70% um, accuracy on a subject, well, that decision based upon that model probably has a little more merit than the old gut feeling. This is yeah, the right decision so, to go Sometimes with. it's kind of hard for the CEO to kind of put aside their conscience and their Ab- intuition, absolute, you know. And absolutely, because we're saying we're going to take away that yeah. uh, reliance on tacit learn experience, knowledge, mm-hmm. and we're quantifying that in a model. I think in all, you know, analytics is a good thing. You and I wouldn't be in this role yeah, if we didn't think it's a gold, good thing. But I think like anything, it has to be taken and used in moderation. We always have to be looking at it saying, is there anything we're missing here mm-hmm. in this decision? Is there any ethical problems in what we're doing with this decision? Yeah. But I think analytics is a really good guidepost in decision making. And they need to take it easy, right? It's like if if you're not, say, the Facebooks or Googles of, you know, of the corporate world, I mean, you should probably take it easy and start slow uh, yeah. with maybe high yield projects that require little external staffing or help and they're kind of easy. You know, what you see normally, I mean, you, you were referring to this uh, maturity framework uh, from the, T, uh, the Data Warehouse Institute, right? That's a, right, yeah, yeah. You know, place. And um, what they say is uh, at the beginning, normally you you see lots of Excel spreadsheets, right? I mean, oh, that's, absolutely. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what we see all the time, right? Um, so they and I think executives like Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, it's data yeah. they can work with. And, and, and again, and because they've been educated with that, they mm-hmm. know how to use that. So uh, it, it happened to us many times. I, I'm sure you can attest, you know, this is that well, yeah, here's our data, and they give you a bunch of Excel spreadsheets. You know, oh, absolutely. Where I mean, there's only limited, you know, kind of stuff you can do with that. And, and then after the Excel, you know, spreadsheet like mania, basically, uh, there's maybe one or two people in the organization that understand a little bit more about analytics mm-hmm. and they try to do some maybe self-serve applications or like pull some sort of, you know, standard queries out of your SQL database and start kind of standardizing that a little. But that's kind of a long way from having a real data-driven organization, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, those Excel spreadsheets that we talk about and a lot of executives and company leaders love Mm -hmm. can actually cause some problems. So the company that I spent some time with, you know, 
they were really struggling not as much in generating analytics model models, but there was a lot of time spent in meetings saying, what is the source of truth? I've got one database that's giving me this figure for churn on this level or this many customers, and I've got an Excel spreadsheet from this department that says this figure, and I've got another Excel spreadsheet that says something else. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at, you know, what is the source of truth in the data? And often that comes down to government governance issues. Data you, governance, you mean? Yeah, data yeah. governance issues within the organization in defining what is the meaning. And, you know, the other issue with those Excel spreadsheets is this idea of when you start extracting data out of a, a repository that was generated by some systems, um, you are, if you will, disrupting the lineage of that data. And by lineage mm -hmm. of being able to track back to, we know that this transaction resulted in this data artifact. The more you remove from that and you take the data into other sources mm -hmm. to manipulate mm -hmm. it, the further you away, you, the further you are away from that. You kind of eliminate the context. And, and then, Absolutely. Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. there's one firm that I've, done a little bit of work with that has grown enough that they're at a level new level of compliance measures with the federal government. And they're in trouble now because of lineage issues of how they're using data. And it's this whole idea of we started with data from a known source and we've taken it out to Excel. We've manipulated it and played with it and then came up with a report. Mm -hmm. Well, you've disrupted the lineage at that point. And so they're questioning, well, are you really in compliance? So True, true. Um, because I, I guess, you know, if you don't have good data, let's say governance, you know, like you say, and data security, uh, basically you carry those issues out through your entire pipeline. And then it's oh. really, really hard, you know, to actually um, say, get the meaning of your insights, really. Oh, absolutely. And I think governance, um, coming up with really what is the data we have? What's the meaning in it? And and when you have silos of data, mm. um, maybe you have an ERP system oh. and a supply chain management system mm -hmm. and a CRM system. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is one data dimension that is shared among all of those. Mm -hmm. They may not be the same. They may, may have yeah. different elements. I mean, there was one report that talked about most CEOs recognize that there are problems in their data. And that's a reason that they're not embracing analytics is that they really question the integrity of some of the data that they have mm -hmm. stored inside. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Dr. Colazzo and Dr. Young. Yeah, another thing that we see is that um, some people tend to believe that you don't need to really invest you know, a lot to get insights. And there's a, an infrastructure dimension that's really important. And there's also a staffing dimension that's really important. You know, Abs so what have you seen about that? Absolutely. Um, so let's start with infrastructure. Yeah. I think that's probably, to me, mm -hmm. and, it, 
again, I have some IT bias mm-hmm. because that's my background. I think the infrastructure and the data element is frequently what's overlooked. So if we look at what's been talked about when we set off and we said, you know, there's been all these great stories about companies who have had successes with analytics and they've gotten this insight, um, that's created a lot of demand. Mm. And you parallel that with the other area that's received a lot of interest, and that is the staffing shortages and the needs for data scientists. That's created this idea that, well, really all I need to get to that insight is this data scientist. Yes. And you know, the data scientist is really very strong in technology and stats and math. Uh, and besides, I mean, there, there's not a single definition of data scientist, right? That, and, that is true, yeah. And when CEOs actually, again, I, I go back to this issue of educating the, the top of the company. Absolutely. When they're not necessarily educated, how can they hire the right person, you know? And Absolutely. I, I, I had a case where, and, and you know this person, you know, this person who used to teach for us, uh, she was hired as a data scientist, and when she gets to the job the first days, I mean, what they needed her to do had nothing to do with data science. So, well, and, and the reason is because they had different expectations and different definitions of what right. it is, right? Well, and you see a lot of data scientists today going into firms and leading up data governance issues because they're saying we can't really do the analytics you want until we figure out what is the data you have and what Mm -hmm. is its meaning. Um, So I would say that there's a lot of emphasis on that. What's been overlooked though is the infrastructure needs. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have some set infrastructure of where we're going to put this big repository of data that people are going to be able to come to to serve their data needs to do analytics. Mm -hmm. And not all analytics are done by data scientists. You have some very strong analysts who can do some degree of analytics. So they need a platform to serve that data. So that requires infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And once again, that's going to involve your IT department. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, another issue, if you're going to be dealing with any sense of big data, really big, you mean really big data, (laughs) not just the big data that we look at, but we're talking about petabytes of data. Yeah, like distributed file systems, all that stuff. Yeah, all uh-huh. that stuff. You have to have a specialized architecture, not yes. only to store that data, but to access that data and to analyze that data, because mm-hmm. you can't do it on a laptop. No, you need a Hadoop cluster, you need people who understand your Hadoop, Spark, uh, and MapReduce, and all that absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I would have to say, I think probably one of the areas, if I could give my own two cents, mm-hmm. I would tell executives to look at your data engineers. They're a really powerful place where they can start making more data accessible to more people in your organization. Mm-hmm. So, you know, o- overall, uh, I would say, and I would emphasize that, you know, first of all, management have to educate themselves in what the actual possibilities are. You know, uh, So you and I have seen many, many times that, you know, sometimes maybe for fear of missing out I mean, or maybe due to some sort of incomplete understanding of the actual capabilities that machine learning analytics will have, there's kind of overblown set of expectations and then that leads to kind of the wrong hiring and mm-hmm. then the, mm-hmm. the wrong execution. And eventually what, what I see or what we see is um, the insights that they get from this analysis are not actually implemented. So oh, you, you, absolutely. have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The company I brought up a few times, mm-hmm. they've created this churn model, but the delivery of that churn model was still, it's an electronic report, 
but it's an electronic report that someone has to read and understand and decide what the next step is. Where firms are being able to make predictions, the next step, the big step, is being able to operationalize those. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do with this, and how do we blend it back into our existing information systems so that the people don't actually have to read it and understand it to be able to make a decision? And you need to get the buy-in from from the people who are going to actually implement these because if they don't understand, I mean, they're not going to be willing to do it, right? Absolutely. And then you also deal with the fear of, well, if the system's going to do that, what's my job now? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's a fear that's that's out there and it's realistic. How far will AI go mm-hmm. in taking away from jobs? True. So we have kind of the education component, maybe the organization component. You mentioned the infrastructure component. Mm-hmm. And then any other points that you would like to recommend for companies that are trying to organize for this? I would definitely say anybody, any company that's really looking at trying to take on more analytics, you got to get C-level leadership involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that you're going to do overnight. It takes money. It takes support. And it might take you some time to actually start finding insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing I would say is really before you start spending any dollars spend some time and articulate very clearly what is the business need that you have for analytics mm-hmm. you know a lot of firms are saying we want to do analytics and when you really talk to them they want to do visualization True. And, and and you don't need that infrastructure you don't need all the things to do visualization or they say we want to do analytics, and then what they need is descriptives. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, where are my customers coming from? Yeah. That, that's not I mean, or I mean, you could say that's analytics, but at yeah. the very, very basic level, right? You don't want to spend a lot of money on hiring it's a, a high-level data scientist yeah, to, to do that. Just for do you. histograms yeah. or that sort of stuff. Yeah? So I'd have to say the third mm-hmm. thing I would recommend is you know look to experts. This is an area when you're starting out, go to consultants and yeah. get some help with your data engineering needs, but also with your analytics. They can help you find the tools and the resources to do that. Yeah, in our classes, we do that here at Trinity, right? So oh, absolutely. We, we have these classes know. where we have these student teams and uh, they go companies, and you, you can probably mention a few. Sure, sure. So um, my consulting class every spring, we do some consulting projects for companies, and we've worked for companies like Goodwill, San Antonio, uh, Santicos Entertainment, um, the KIPP school system has been very good to us. And we've actually started them off and helped them on their way in starting some analytics projects, which has helped leverage them and take some wins to that C-suite executive to exactly. say, let's invest in this more. And I, I believe I'm correct in saying that all those organizations, after working with us in small, smallish projects, you know, they, they really understood that there's a lot of potential in this and, yeah. and they are... To my understanding, they're all trying to do more with this, right? Oh, I agree. Yeah, I so agree. I, I guess, you know, if you're not kind of the Googles or Facebooks of, of the corporate world, I mean, you need external help and, you know, you know, reach out. You know, reach out to experts and, and maybe even reach out to Trinity University. You know, maybe yeah, we can absolutely. Great. Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode, please email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.